0: Our lungs do a pretty good job. Some people spend a lifetime breathing smoke, sawdust, car exhaust, but some things are just too much. This is how Mackie Branham Jr. breathes.
1: I've always been a coal miner, and if they would give me lungs to where I could go back tomorrow, I would. It's just in my blood.
0: NPR's Howard Burkis interviewed Mackey in a black lung clinic in Pike County, Kentucky. As of last December, the federal government had recorded 99 cases of so-called complicated black lung in the last five years, people for whom breathing is as hard as it is for Mackey Branham.
1: You're asking if I would do it again if I had fresh lungs? Yes, I would do it again because it's provided good for my family. Also in December... NPR released findings
0: from a new investigation. Howard Berkus and a team of reporters got data from 11 black lung clinics throughout Appalachia, data the government hadn't collected or looked at. The numbers showed that advanced black lung, the most serious stage of the disease caused by inhaling dust from mining, is at least 10 times more common than federal statistics had indicated.
1: I'm in bad shape, man. I mean, I can no longer provide for my family. And I can't get out and do nothing around the house like I normally would with them. It tires your nerves up.
0: Today on Outside In, we've got our first collaboration with an outside producer.
2: Is that me? Why is that ringing here?
0: Benny Becker is a reporter at WMMT, covering jobs and money in the Appalachian coal fields for the Ohio Valley Resource. He worked with NPR's Howard Burkus on the black lung investigation.
2: Hopefully I remember to reconnect it. Wait, it's still ringing? What?
0: In Appalachia, most of the best coal deposits, or seams, have already been dug up. What's left are smaller, thinner ribbons of coal buried under and mixed with lots of plain old rock. This means that in an area where countless jobs have been replaced by machines, coal miners are spending longer hours in more dangerous kinds of dust. This situation is having a huge impact on miners, their families, and the whole community. Benny tells the story of that impact through one family, the Branhams.
2: So it's been since the 60s that people have been thinking that, you know, new regulations, new practices were going to end Black Lung. But the tragedy is we're finding out the numbers we're seeing right now are just off the charts in terms of people getting the worst form of black lung it's it's you know it's as bad as it's been
1: my name is Mackie Burnham Jr and I've got right at 19 years underground I come straight out of school turned down full scholarship to go to college because I knowed I go straight in and make good money because I wanted to start my own family. Mackie Branham
0: Jr. is one of the younger patients of Dr. James Brandon Crum. It was Crum who reached out to government scientists after noticing a surge in advanced black lung in his clinic. That's how NPR got wind of this situation.
3: So this is what an x-ray of of you and I or normal person should look like. And you contrast that to the individual which we'll be talking to today and you can see the significant difference. There's these large conglomerate masses consistent with complicated black lung. And this individual's 38 years old.
1: The more I talk, the more I get out of breath. And it's like me trying to blow up like a new balloon. It's
2: just a lot of pressure. Black lung is, you know, it's a progressive disease that happens usually over decades. Part of what's scary now is we're seeing younger miners with worse conditions.
0: Black lung has always been an issue for coal miners, and it's well understood that breathing coal dust is bad for your lungs. But what many miners are doing today, chasing thinner seams of coal through more and more sandstone, is even worse. Sandstone is made from silica, the same stuff as glass. So when big mining machines grind up immense quantities of rock to get at small seams of coal, they're basically pushing out clouds of something a lot like tiny shards of glass. That's what Mackie Branham breathed into his lungs for 19 years.
2: It definitely does get to the point where you can't work. You know, with Mackie Branham, that's what happened to him was he was told he couldn't work anymore, and he couldn't. I mean, at this point... Just like the act of getting in his car and going somewhere where he hadn't controlled the climate to optimize it for his own breathing, that made a huge difference where he was, you know, struggling to get a single word out at a time between breaths. Little changes in the weather at this point are enough that he can't do much, so he can't even work a desk job. I'm going to turn this on if that's okay with you all. Is yeah. Okay. <laughs>
0: Benny met Mackie and his family at their home, where it's easiest for Mackie to breathe.
4: I'm Amber Branham, I'm married to Mackie Branham Jr. I am a waitress at Golden Ring Diner and a mother of five. And it's just a hard thing to watch because I've seen a strong man go from being so strong to work six, seven days a week, all the hours they want, down to having to be home 24/7 because he can't stay in the weather outside.
2: I'm Mac Benham. Yes, um, so. Okay. How old are you? I just turned 18 in October. Oh, happy birthday, please. <laughs> um, is there anything? I mean, you'd like to say about how this has changed you, or how how your your experience, what what's been affecting you? Oh yeah, it's changed me greatly, especially my childhood. It um, I really got to see him. He was always at work, and when he was at home, my mother wouldn't let you know, us around him. Because he had to ask for work. So there's even Tom was I was young, I'd forget what he looked like. Yes was pretty good for me. He a child anyway. <laughs> it was always my mother that was at events and everything because he was always at work.
1: I was what they called a company man. I did what they wanted. I worked 70-some days straight without a, a day off. 15, 16 hours a day because we was making a big... Move
4: many a night. Did he not come home for two days? He would lay over there, take a shower, and go back in for the next shift if they didn't have somebody over there. And they know that that's the thing that makes me mad and upset about it. He worked himself to the bone for them, and now when the favors should be repaid back, they fight him tooth and nail. They have the money and the lawyers to prolong it as long as they want to to keep us from getting his benefits.
1: A lot of people don't know what it's like to have your babies sitting there and you can't even hardly put food on your table because it takes so many doctors and so many judges to just tell
2: somebody that they're in bad enough need to have help. If you qualify for federal benefits, the last company you worked for for a year is they're the ones who are supposed to be paying your benefits. So technically, it's illegal for a minor to be laid off because they have black lung. But a lot of miners we talked to said, you know, they'll do whatever they can to find some other reason to fire you, or they'll put you on a job that they know you're not willing to work. You know, we can't verify that that's happened, but that is definitely the common belief and a big deterrent for minors to, to go get themselves checked out.
0: Mackie did go to a doctor, but only once he was physically incapable of doing his job. Once he got into the exam room, his physician told him he couldn't go back to work. After that, he spent months with no paycheck
2: trying to get benefits. They're just trying to do what's best for the company, but they need to think more about the families.
4: I'm hoping that Alpha and them have a heart. Let him draw out what he is owed.
1: I can't provide for nobody no more. That takes my manhood away.
4: It doesn't take your manhood away. This family, as you see, the kids respect well, takes, every bit of him. It takes
1: my pride away, all right?
4: He's not the only coal miner that feels that way. There is hundreds of men out there that think that, that, oh, I can't provide, so I'm worthless. They're not worthless because their family loves them, and they want them to be here as long as they can have them here. But in their eyes, they get depressed because they can't do what they've always done.
1: Mine's a little bit different than that. It's knowing I'm not going to get better with ulcer transplants. And it's not knowing how long I'm going to be if I don't get them.
0: Mackey's hoping to get a lung transplant. For coal workers who do get new lungs, the median survival rate is a little more than three and a half years.
2: A lot of families, you know, there will be a few people who mine, who, who are kind of supporting a lot of their family members. So a lot of miners or former miners or laid off miners or hopeful miners you know have a lot of people riding on them are really desperate for work just to keep you know to keep food on the table for their family to pay the health expenses that so many people have and so it's one more factor in how miners have lost a lot of leverage um in terms of you know advocating for their health and safety in the mines because if the company asks you to do something that you think is unsafe and you try to say something about it, it's not like they're desperate for for you specifically. Odds are there's, you know, dozens of people living not too far away who would love to have your job.
0: It's a complicated chain, but if you follow it back, It all begins with miners chasing thinner and thinner seams of coal,
3: grinding up more and more rock. My name is Evan Smith. I'm an attorney at Appalachian Citizens Law Center here in Whitesburg, Kentucky. We're having a lot more severe black lung than even our worst nightmares. What the doctors say is that there's multiple factors going on here. We have people who are working longer hours being exposed to more dust and mining seams of coal that are thinner, and so you're bringing a lot more sandstone and other rocks.
0: More miners with more severe cases of black lung means more pressure on the system that pays them benefits once they can't work.
1: All the black lung coming out. I see a lot of them, they can't find jobs. What else are they gonna do? They're gonna try to sign up on their black lung. And then that puts people, I ain't say it like me, That was pulled because of the black lung. So fur down on the list, it hurts me. But I can't blame them. They're doing what they got to do to provide for their family also.
4: When he was younger, it was either be a coal miner or leave home. And we don't even have that choice anymore, so it's leave home.
1: All the coal mining jobs is gone. The coal miners has nothing else to go for but to sign up on their black lung if they've got it.
4: I make in a week what he made in two days. And here it is Christmas, and it's hard to be able to tell them, like, hey, Mommy and Bub will do what we can, Santa will bring what he can, and if not, then we'll do our best when we can. You could probably go to 15 houses up the creek, and you'll hear the same story, whether it be black lung or whether it just been plain straight laid off. Everyone at Elkhorn Creek has been affected by it
3: the stress that that puts on the entire extended family, on the church community, on just really our entire region, it's really scary. And, you know, when we talk about the legacy cost of the industry and the problems that we're going to have as our economy transitions, those individual household economics are just a huge piece of it. Now, our nation has made the choice that we're going to try to move away from coal. But the people who dug the coal already, we can't move away from them.
2: I mean, (laughs) the sad thing is as severe as it is and as big as these numbers are, the number of crises that the Coalfields regions are facing is of big crises like the opioid epidemic and just general, you know, poverty, loss of work. It's terrifying, but, you know, Black Lung just kind of isn't at the top of the list of people's concerns. I don't think it's on the top five of what people talk about when they think of the challenges facing this area right now. And that just tells you, that definitely tells you a lot about how big the challenges are that this area is facing.
0: Back in December, just before Howard Berkus and Benny Becker aired their stories about the spike in severe cases of black lung in Appalachia, Mackie Branham learned that he had qualified for black lung benefits. Mackie is still hoping for that lung transplant.
1: If I had it to do over, I would do it again, if that's what it took, to provide for my family as long as I have
0: This episode was produced by Benny Becker, by me, Sam Evans-Brown, and by Logan Shannon, with help from Maureen McMurray, Molly Donahue, Jimmy Gutierrez, and Taylor Quimby. Thanks to NPR and to Howard Berkus for sharing some of Howard's audio from his reporting. Also thanks to Jeff Young from the Ohio Valley Resource and to WMMT, Apple Shop's community radio station. You can find pictures of the Branham family and links to Benny and Howard's original stories at OutsideInRadio.org. And if you got the chance, I really encourage you to check these stories out. They are pretty impressive. Our theme is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Additional music in this episode came from Mon Plaisir. Outside In is a production of New Hampshire Public Radio. one last thing. So all this month, there's this thing going on. It's called tripod, T-R-Y pod, as in Tripodcasts. Because as much as you might listen to a lot of podcasts and people you know might listen to a lot of podcasts, there are a ton of people who don't listen to any at all and are totally confused about what even the point of a podcast is. So we want you to tell your friends about great podcasts that you listen to. Perhaps this one, or perhaps you want to try some new ones. For example, here are two that I think are great that maybe you haven't heard of. Vermont Public Radio puts out Brave Little State. It's a podcast where they answer listener questions about the state of Vermont. It is excellently produced. It's even great for folks who have maybe only a passing interest in Vermont. Also, there's Threshold from Montana Public Radio. That's a podcast where they spend an entire season digging into one question about the natural world. This season, they're talking all about bison, and it is so good. Check those out. Tell your friends about them. Get them listening to podcasts. And then tell us about it on social media. Use hashtag.